0: being a friend travel down the road and back again your heart is true you're a pal and a confidant and
1: picture at can- los angeles 2023
2: welcome to out on the lanai the only golden girls podcast you're ever gonna need to listen to i am sadie pine slash h allen scott
1: And I'm Carrie Doherty. And
2: this is a podcast where we used to watch an episode of The Golden Girls and then talk about it, but we ran out of episodes. And then we covered all of the fantastic episodes of The Golden Palace, but we ran out of those, too. And so now we do whatever the hell we want.
1: That's right. H. Allen Scott slash Sadie Pines. Today we are doing a Beyond Golden Girls episode where we cover the many film and TV projects that B, Betty, Rue, and Estelle did outside of the Golden Girls during the course of their careers. And today we are covering a Betty project. We are talking about Betty's pre-Golden Girls 1984 appearance on a season one episode of Who's the Boss titled Eye on Angela, where she plays basically a combo of Barbara Thorndike and Sue Ann Nivens.
2: It was everything and you were going to love it. Why?
1: I'm not kidding.
2: I'm, I'm not, not kidding. kidding. I brought it back. I'm not kidding. It's You're back. going to love it. You're going to love it. I brought it back by popular demand. Yes, I'll do it again.
1: I'm not kidding. There was a lot of demand for that.
2: Yeah, and it's back, and I did it. I thought about maybe doing "It's made of horse urine" because I feel like that might be a fun audio clip to randomly put in places. But I'm not kidding; is better. Let's be it's,
1: real. It's become like a little iconic yeah, on the podcast yeah, it, now. It is. I'm not kidding.
2: Yeah, it's 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 pretty great. It's pretty great. <laughs> I love yes. it so much. Oh my God. So we have we have golden news as well. Golden news, a little, <laughs> a little gossip, that little things that we've been working on behind the scenes that we haven't told anybody, but they are happening. Things are happening, and I'm so excited. So, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, sometime in the fall, likely in September, there will be another Golden Girls Live show from Carrie and I. And it will be a golden girls appreciation hour here in Los Angeles, but if you're not in Los Angeles, you will still be able to attend. We're not, we're just I'm just teasing it right now. You can't buy tickets or anything right now, but it's happening. We're going to have great guests Yay. and great numbers and crazy things and all the outfits that I wore at Golden Con, and it's going to be so much. It's basically going to be like a mini Golden Con for an hour for people, and I want people to come dressed as characters. I want people to come Fully ready for like a night of golden girls mayhem, wouldn't that be fun, Carrie?
1: You know, I just remembered, yes, absolutely, it's going to be <laughs> a blast. It's gonna yippee, I okay, Like, mm-hmm. we're gonna have a great, a great, it's gonna be a wonderful rodeo. I just remembered that at a live show that we did in the past, we bought cheesecake and we handed out pieces of cheesecake little pieces to the (laughs) entire audience
2: yeah yeah now i i will say our last space that we had because we previously did live shows at nerd belt but nerd melt is no longer around in los angeles r.i.p thanks covid and um gentrification and development but we have another space that is actually much bigger than our last space so i don't know if we'd be able to hand out because this is a this is a this is a theater. Like this is a big theater. So like I don't know if we'd be able to hand out cheesecake. Maybe we can figure out a way. I mean, we could probably figure out a way.
1: I will say, when I was a child, um, for like Christmas and Easter, we'd all go um have meals at my grandmother's. Mm-hmm. And my Aunt Nanny, her name is Nancy, but we called her nanny. My Aunt Nanny used to make these little tiny cheesecakes oh. and these little mini Jars? cupcake tins oh, in okay. a little paper. And she would put a cherry on top, oh. from uh, you know when you get like canned cherries for pie, and yeah. it's got like that syrupy bit in it that's yeah. like so sweet and good. She would put one of those cherries on top, not a maraschino,
2: okay,
1: not a fresh cherry, yeah, but the canned cherries made for cherry pie
2: you know what's weird about one me? little
1: bit of those on a little bite of che- and it was a bite it was a bite of cheesecake i think that could be manageable we could probably
2: do that put them in little mason jars or something like something tiny something small that you could
1: pass. a mason out. jar actually that sounds kind of big
2: well they have small mason jars like little, oh like little itty jars. or like a yeah. ramekin baby yeah ones? like the okay. baby food ones you know what i mean you can figure out a way to do that but you know what's weird about me i i don't like cherries <laughs>
1: We could put a blueberry on yours. Oh, that
2: would be lovely. I love a blueberry. I just, I love cherry flavored things, but I don't like eating cherries. It's like a whole thing. Why? I don't know. You know, why, why is the sky blue? I don't know. Do you not like the
1: taste of the cherry?
2: It's just, I don't know if it's the taste. Yes, I think there maybe is like, there's a bitterness to the cherry that I don't enjoy. I don't know what it is exactly, but I don't like chewing a cherry. Maybe it's because I don't like anything with a stem that I have to like pull out of my mouth. Like I can't be like Blanche and, like, make the Star of David in my mouth with the stem. Like, I can't do that. And I, maybe it's because I can't do that that I don't like them because I want Mm. to be able to do that. Like, maybe Mm, I feel like I'm missing out, and I just have to, it's a trigger for me not to do it.
1: So you don't like even like a maraschino cherry, which is no. basically candy.
2: No, I don't even like those. I know. Every time I no, get a that's cherry. that's okay. You don't every time lose- I get a cherry on anything, I always give it to Michael or somebody else. I'm like, you want my cherry? Because I don't oh, care.
1: Oh, I would love to go to Friendlies with you for a Sunday. Yeah, of course.
2: Let's do it. But the live show is going to be so much fun, and we want to hear from you. So if you have ideas for what we can do on a live show, what you want to see on a live show, I really want this to be Not just a live recording of the podcast, but a live gathering of Golden Girls VIPs here in Los Angeles on the West Coast. You come out in your best Golden Girls attire and T-shirts and costumes and anything you are. We'll put on a show for you. But I want to know what our listeners want in a live show because there's so many Golden Girls live shows. So I think we should pull some great ideas from the fantastic genius people that listen to this podcast, don't you think? I love that idea. Yeah, so DM us. Let us know. There's lots of different ways you can get in touch with us. You can, of course, DM us on Instagram. But if you don't have Instagram, you can also email us at, um oh, what's our email? Adelanai official, <laughs> I think, I believe. No, and I podcast at gmail.com. Sorry, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, but yeah, let us know. I would love to hear from people and see what they think because like every podcast does a live show differently and it I'm always amazed at the weird things that can go on and I want this to be weird
1: oh i love a weird podcast i love a weird live show yeah i'm here for it
2: should we say what we're gonna watch today though
1: so okay we have okay
2: cool i was I, so I, I, excited mm. when you texted me i was like insanely excited i didn't even know this existed and i thought i knew everything that the girls did i did not know this existed
1: so apparently, so Betty actually has two credits on Who's the Boss. She also has a credit for season two, but it sounds like she did like the like the announcer of, voice, and well, she's uncredited or something. No, so it, I don't no, actually that, know if that one's true. No,
2: that episode is true. So it it, it harks to uh, harkens to um, Betty did a lot of like parade announcer things mm-hmm. in her career, and so she's a Macy's Day Parade person. Oh right, have even what been it playing was. herself. I'm not sure, right. but she did that a lot.
1: So yes, yeah, so I think she might be the Macy's Parade mm-hmm. voice. Um also, I mean, okay, let's just let's get into Who's the Boss for a second. We need if to, you've like, ne- if you've lived yes. under a rock and you've never watched Who's the Boss, it aired for 8 seasons from 1984 to 1992 on ABC. This is the IMDb description of the show again if you have lived under a rock, no judgment. Tony Masselli, a retired baseball player becomes a housekeeper. Say it like an Italian.
2: Say it like an Italian.
1: Oh, Tony Maselli, yeah, yeah. a retired baseball player, becomes the housekeeper of Angela Bauer, <laughs> an advertising executive in New York. Together, they raise their kids, Samantha Maselli and Jonathan Bauer, with the help from Mona Robinson, Angela's
2: man-crazy mother. I fucking love Mona. Oh, my God. I love Mona so much. She was the only actor who got an Emmy nomination for this show, multiple Emmy nominations. Really? Yeah, no one else did. The show got a few other nominations, but none of the other actors did. Yeah.
1: Uh, So the thing I loved about this show is, you know, we've talked about like strong women on TV, Mm -hmm. Mary Tyler Moore, Murphy Brown. We've covered episodes of those shows that the women have appeared in. And what was really cool about Who's the Boss was that this show had this sort of stereotypical gender role reversal. You know, Tony was a stay at home dad who did the cooking and the cleaning and he did all the housekeeping and Angela had a trendy, busy office job. She held a position of power. And that was really cool to and see, she was like bit, when I was a kid.
2: She was a bit. I loved Who's the Boss. Oh my god, I loved oh, Who's the too. Boss. I can I tell? I remember. I don't know if it was this podcast or some other podcast I did, but there was a conversation. We I think it was with us. There was a conversation we had about our first crushes, like our first. Yes, we did. T-
1: yes, you sent me the nude photo. Yes. Okay.
2: Yes. 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 And um, <laughs> and my first. I have to take back my first crush because I think like I think I mean yeah Tony Danza's, Tony Tony Danza is, like, for real my first crush, I think. For real. Like, because I, even in this episode, I I mean, where's my fan? When I saw Tony Danza in this episode. In his PJs? In anything. In any outfit. Tony Danza in the 1980s was like fucking Viagra. He (laughs) was just, you look at him, and, and he's so hot, and he's so dumb, which makes him even more hot. And, and you just want, you want to fall so he can pick you up. You know what I mean? You want to feel what it's like for Tony Danza to pick you up. And, mm-hmm. oh my God, Tony, Danza, and in this episode, Tony Danza delivers. But what's so great about who's the boss, I think. And Judith Light was incredible on who's the boss. I mean, she, so good. so good. She left one life to live where she was like high drama actress for this. And it was a real shocker for people because she was real popular on one life to live. I think even think he was, I think she an wanted me for it.
1: And he, yes, she won, um, yes, daytime yeah. Emmys for uh, One Life to Live. And Tony Danza was also coming off of Taxi. So the two yeah. of them, like, but they taxi, were
2: pretty pretty I mean, big stars. I wouldn't say they were big stars. Ta- he, uh, Tony Danza was probably the bigger of the stars. But even that, Tony Danza was a supporting character on Taxi. He, sure. wasn't, he wasn't really the lead. And he wasn't even seen as sort of, like, a serious actor in a lot of ways. And so this show, even in the first season, like, they held the show back from what I read. Like that when they made the show they were they made it a mid-season replacement show because it just didn't they didn't think it was going to work they thought it, the mechanics of it were too strange and literally Tony Danza and Judith Light's characters were the Ross and Rachel of the 80s everyone wanted these two to fuck and like every episode was them playing with the audience in the possibility that these two might get together. And then of course, eventually they did, but like Mm -hmm. there was so much sexual tension between Judith light and Tony Danza that it is like the early days of fatal attraction, romancing the stone. Oh my God.
1: I know. I feel like I should have taken a fan out for this. I even wrote this in my notes. When I was a kid, I never I I just I loved the dynamic. I loved Mona. Yeah. I thought she was hilarious. Um I rewatching this as an adult. And I have rewatched Who's the Boss, but it's been a minute. I was like, "Oh my gosh, the sexual tension between the two oh. of them was so heavy." Yeah. And, and the I, sex jokes. I and they were both so attractive. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I am so invested in the two of you hooking up. I almost can't stand it. It was so. It was so.
2: When there was a scene, there's a scene, which we'll play a clip from it, of course. But there's a scene where Judith Light is in this beautiful silk, like nightgown, green, teal, turquoise, like nightgown. And Tony Danza, of course, is in just sweatpants with no shirt on. And she comes out of the room and she's talking about placement of whipped cream. And it is, I I get the joke, but it is like, it made me a little hot. It made me I, a little
1: I high. yeah. I was like, this is this make this television program as it currently exists is here to make people horny.
2: This made me horny. And yeah. I was uncomfortable because I as a kid, I think I I remember I remember loving Tony Danza and I remember being obsessed with Tony Danza and I wanted him to be, I wanted a sexy dad, you know what I mean? Like I wanted a cool dad and he just Mm -hmm. seemed like a really cool dad. And I will say too, um, oh God, I forget the actor's name now, the guy who plays the son in, in the show, the little boy he oh his
1: name is Danny I think yeah
2: he later came out of it was he was one of the early sort of yeah actors to come out of the closet and I remember Mm -hmm. there being a real and this was I think it was even in the 90s and it was the whole cast they came together to support him including Tony Danza and it was just sort of like a beautiful thing to see in the 90s for a show that I grew up in the 80s and early 90s loving and watching and I was just like how fucking cool is this that tony danza even loves the gay boy oh god my 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 boner got harder i can't it's just tony danza tony danza
1: all right well while you fan yourself off why don't we and
2: cool yourself down
1: (laughs) why don't we take a little break and then come back and dive into this episode because you know who else was horny in it was betty white
2: oh my god she was so
1: horny You know, one thing I did really notice and I loved about this episode, and I think too, just maybe, you know, sitcoms of earlier days in general is that it really this show was allowed to live and breathe in terms of um, playing out like theater, like Mm -hmm. there were a lot of moments of uh, like, physical comedy and movement movements. Like, there were just, there were a lot of moments with no dialogue, with yeah. no intentional jokes. Yes. In this episode, we spent so much screen time of people just moving from one bedroom yeah. to another. Yeah. And, and the show was fine with it. Season one, they were like, we don't need to get a laugh every three seconds. Which like, is really... this is part of the story, and we're gonna let it breathe. It's... And I actually found that really refreshing.
2: It's so interesting you brought that up, because I remember, I mean, I'm so used to watching... I mean, I think my heyday of sort of sitcoms was like the 90s. And I loved The Golden Girls, but I even then, The Golden Girls came to me in the early 90s. It wasn't really in the 80s when I was a kid. And I remember distinctly watching this as a little kid when it was on television. So I, that had to have been in the 80s. And I watching this now... I remember I looked at the time code and I was like, like I was just, cause I was expecting it to be over. Like I was expecting the show, the episode to be done, but it was only 12 minutes into the episode. And I was, wow. I was so like, wow, the pacing of this is just markedly different than sitcoms, even of the nineties. Like everybody loves Raymond and, and friends and all of those. Like even that pacing is like so different from this show. And even the golden girls, I mean, the golden girls was Kind of a fast-paced show. I mean, it just kind of kept going and the jokes kept piling on each other and they really focused on the jokes. Whereas this, you're right, they allowed the character development and the characters to simmer and stew in a scene and let Mona sort of have like a moment of a dramatic pause with Betty and then move into the line. And like you really allowed Uh the actors to grow and move.
1: I mean, I think they f- they spent like a full 2 minutes in this episode of everybody huddled around the couch watching a horror movie yeah. and they like played a scene from the horror movie for wow. like 2 minutes. Yeah. Just this one shot of everyone also, on the couch reacting to a horror movie. Can we
2: talk about one of my like one of my favorite 80s 90s TV tropes cuz you really only see it in the 80s 90s although there is an episode of I Love Lucy where I think you see it where you get a shot of a television screen. And you see the action happening on a television screen and then it cuts to the real action or something. You know, it cuts to what's happening. It's full screen. But I love that. When you just when they just put a camera on a TV and just record, you know? I love it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that (laughs) was fun. I did enjoy that. Um, so in this episode, Angela is very excited because a woman named oh my gosh Bobby Barnes mm-hmm. played by Betty White I love a Bobby uh,
2: female name don't you Bobby Bobby
1: Barnes yeah. I le- she's such a bobby too yeah um betty white we're just gonna call her betty in the episode so betty is a reporter for eye on hartford and she profiles interesting people uh in the city and she has decided to do a piece on angela mm-hmm. um you know because angela is a busy career woman who still has time for her kids and that's interesting and that's yeah. great um and tony a uh, tony, tony i loved
3: it
1: he was like I love her. You know, all of her segments are 12 minutes. I'm, I can time my muffins in the oven. It was like, it's yeah. so, so sweet. And also, um,
2: I mean, there's the, the, waiting for his dough to rise. I mean, there's lots of baking double entendres happening in this episode. Which a lot of also
1: innuendo.
2: Required a fan for me.
1: Yes. Um, so that night, so I guess uh, Betty has already interviewed her at the office and now she's coming yeah. to sort of meet the family. Um, everybody's all dressed nicely. They're all like excited oh. to meet her.
2: before before we even get I mean her entrance, when Betty White walked in, she got an applause break. and
1: it was a little delayed. Did well, you notice? that? I did
2: because I think they just like allowed like it probably was just placement of where she was and all of the I, that's things. what I was
1: wondering. Yeah. I was like they don't applaud when the door because the door opened and I was like, oh, oh yeah. okay, maybe she wasn't big enough a star yet. No, she is... was.
2: She was. She was definitely a big enough star. But then as
1: she walked in, maybe that's when people actually saw but her.
2: I do think, because I don't think we covered this. So sh- this episode aired February 19, 1985, which was, and Golden Girls uh, premiered in September of 1985. So she was not on the Golden Girls. Golden Girls did not No, this is pre-Golden this Girls. And uh, she was probably, I mean, she was best known for Mary Tyler Moore show, but she had just come off of I think the cancellation of mama's family. So she was kind of like almost kind of in this limbo area of, Oh my God, is Betty white just going to be a character actress on TV and bounce from episode bounce from series to series to series. So Mm -hmm. we're really seeing Betty's last project before she got the golden girls, which is kind of exciting.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And I think we should play her entrance. So you can kind of get an idea of who her character is. Yes. Yes. yes.
3: And do what? (laughs) Miss Barnes, please come in. I'm looking for Angela Bauer. Uh, I, I'm
0: Angela Bauer. Remember we spent five hours together in my office today? <laughs> Alpha, Alpha puffs
3: corporate decisions. Oh, right. You look so different without a phone in your ear. <laughs> <laughs> You have a beautiful home. Is it paid for? <laughs> you can get back to me on that one. Oh. And I suppose this is your husband. Hi, uh, uh, oh. uh, uh, Would you like to get back to me on that one,
0: too? <laughs> no, no, Miss Barnes, I'm Tony
2: Maselli. I'm the housekeeper here. Oh,
3: of course you are. <laughs> And
2: I'm Geraldo Rivera. Tony Danza talks So much
1: sass. I know, so
2: much sass. I love a sassy Betty. What? But Tony Danza talks like he has, like he's congested, which I love.
1: (laughs) Oh, we should also say, if you want to see, hear us talk more about Tony Danza, if you want to hear more about Betty flirting with Tony Danza in another project- Check out our uh, Beyond Golden Girls episode from back in December, where we watched Stealing Christmas, which yes. was a TV movie that they did together. We also,
2: I don't believe told people where they can watch this. Uh, we're so bad today.
1: Oh yeah, where? I mean, well,
2: I found you can like only, a
1: random link.
2: Yeah, so this is—I mean, on you, the you, internet, you can Google it and find it. and You could probably buy it somewhere. I think only the first season's been released on DVD, but. We watch this on Daily Motion. Hopefully, it'll stay up there. We'll put the link in the bio uh, or the episode description of this episode, but still.
1: Yes. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. So, yes. So, Betty, I mean... When she says, like, oh, I didn't recognize you without a phone to your ear, I'd be, you know, I'd be like, oh, ha that's that's a cute joke that she's making. But then when she says, like, nice house, is it paid for? It's like, oh, that's what
2: kind of bitch you are. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> like- <laughs> Don't you just love and- when Betty White oh. is just a bitch? Like, just yes. a bitch.
1: Because she's doing that passive-aggressive thing where she's smiling when she says it. Yep. You know yep. what I mean? So good. Um, And then she meets Mona. And I loved their dynamic in this episode. It gave me, like, Aunt Angela slash yes. Sophia slash, yes. like, Sophia Blanche, like, passive-aggressive vibes. Was, it was kind like,
2: of like... Uh, it was almost like an old film where two, like female villains encounter each other in a room and they have to be like, Oh, you're here. You know what I mean? Exactly.
1: Like, like I see you bitch. Yeah. Which another yeah. thing that I
2: read about, <laughs> I don't know why I read so much. I was so excited about doing who's the boss. Cause I love who's the boss, but, um, Mona, the actress who plays Mona, who also was played the mother, one of the mothers on Everybody Loves Raymond, and she was in Soap. I mean, she's this actress. Yes, yes, Catherine Hellman.
1: Yeah, she played Jessica Tate on Susan Harris's
2: Soap. She's iconic. Iconic. But she was only 55 when this show started, but I think they wanted her to be even much older than that. I think they, like, wanted her in her 60s or 70s. That's what a lot of people were talking about on, like, Line and stuff, was that she always came off as older.
1: Yeah, I had read that uh, initially – they were thinking of on the show, having a character who would play Angela's sister. Uh, And then they decided to make a mother character. Mm. And they were, I think, looking at some older actors and they really, really liked uh, Catherine Hellman. So they hired her and they just played her up like she was a little bit older. Um, So I do think that we should play um, uh, Betty's interaction with Mona. So first she's actually approaching Jonathan, the little boy, uh, and then she's chatting with Mona, and I, oh, I, I love it.
3: Well, Jonathan, how do you feel about your mommy being on Ion Hartford? Grandma says it's just a local show. <laughs> 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 but, but a very
0: good one. Hi, I'm Mona Robinson. Yes, this is my mother. Well,. We all have to be something. <laughs> My goodness, you look different on television. I guess those bright lights really do wash the wrinkles out.
1: <laughs> May your marinara sauce never cling to your pasta. Like, it's, it's that kind of so stuff.
2: so good. It's so good.
1: I love. So then then Betty goes over to Samantha, um, the you know, uh, Tony's daughter. Alyssa Milano. Alyssa Milano, yes, of course. And she goes, and this is Samantha, our housekeeper's daughter. And Betty goes, um, oh, it must be so nice to be here in the living room with the rest of the family. What a treat. And Mona goes, Yes. And if she eats all her gruel, we let her sit on the couch for 10 minutes. That's
2: something that I loved about this show. I in a weird, I don't know why I I put myself like you know how when you're kids and you're watching television, you put yourself In the things that you watch and you think like, of course, how do these people, how would these people be in my life? And I knew that I would belong to Tony's family because we were poor and we were kind of, you know, whatever, Midwestern and like whatever. And so in any of these moments, one of the things that I loved about this show is that like Mona genuinely loved Tony and his daughter and like they brought them in as family. And it was just like I wanted rich friends like that you know what i mean i wanted <laughs> yes. like i wanted to have a rich family take me in
1: too <laughs> yes to be like they're not trash yeah. yeah um then and then she meets tony and this is the innuendo you were talking about where he goes "Uh, uh miss miss bonds i watch and it's okay i'm allowed to do this i'm half yeah. italian yeah. miss bonds i watch your show in the kitchen while my dough is rising <laughs> and betty goes "Ooh," and it reminds me of that one episode of the golden palace Mm. where blanche kept talking about this one man ernie and she'd go ernie ooh and then and then (laughs) roland is like you know he's not adorable like something like winnie the pooh is adorable and and betty white turns around and she's grasping a pillow rose turns around and she goes winnie ooh and that's what it kind of reminded me of (laughs) oh it's Um, so
2: good i love when betty white is turned on too
1: and she i mean she just is blatantly hitting on him yeah and finally Tony like puts his foot down he's like oh look Bobby around here I keep house I don't play it and she goes what a waste
2: <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of I mean I have to admit she's kind of like her responses are very much me and drag like when I'm talking <laughs> when I'm <laughs> yeah. talking to guys and like working the room and stuff it's very me
1: It's such an attitude. Um, So then Betty's like, okay, well, it was nice meeting you all or whatever. I'll be back with my crew in the morning to record you, like, you know, doing your morning routine, whatever. And she asks Angela, you know, when we come back, I'd like to see you spice it up a little more, you know what I mean. Now, let me ask you as a journalist, is that good journalism asking people to spice? spice
2: it well, up a little bit more. Um these kind it's the dip. Okay. She's not doing a hard hitting piece on the Pentagon or the president or anything. Like you would never say that to the president. However, if I was doing a feature on someone and they were being particularly boring, and I've done this in an interview before, I have requested people to and I'll say I won't say the celebrity, but I was in an interview with a celebrity who has a very unique voice who was not giving me anything we're talking three word answers to responses which you can't work with i can't work with that right and so i told their pr person who was also in the on the in the in in the interview i'm going to have to cancel this or i can't do it i just i can't work with this and then the person got really embarrassed because i said it in front of them and then they started talking more so like yes and no like it de- it depends on the piece
1: Okay, that was a that was a really like good like diplomatic answer. Thank you. That was Thank offline. You. I'm going to ask you who that celebrity was.
2: Oh, you're going to love it. It's someone really big.
1: Oh, I think I have I have a guess, <laughs> but I don't know if I'm right. Um, huh, you guys all wish that you were I'll give hints. Of this I'll maybe. give hints. I'll
2: give hints. You don't have to give hints. I'll so give okay. hints. I'll give hints. Um, I do not have time for this. That's all I'm saying.
1: Okay. <laughs> now I'm thinking. Okay so um that night um the family is all huddled around tv watching a scary movie like i said it's like two minutes of them just reacting to like somebody wrote and recorded a bunch of dialogue for this scary movie which was like about was like it's like a sentient mall that comes to life it was but it was
2: so cute i mean there was
1: actually a movie called i think it was called like chopping mall or something. There was definitely a movie in the eighties about like a sentient mall that came to life and killed people inside it. It was
2: really cute. I mean, I, I will admit like one of my other favorite things about TV shows besides this, the recording of the television set is when you're all huddled together. Super, super, super close on a couch, which is the most uncomfortable, awkward thing ever. No one would ever do that ever. Unless you're about to like make whoopee and it it's so awkward but they were literally on top of each other
1: has a so the a part of this a big part of this episode is that this movie has scared everyone so much that like they were yes. they really can't sleep has a scary movie ever continued to scare you after the movie was over
2: not as an adult not as well I often, because I live in an apartment building, and and um, I often do sometimes at nighttime, and this really isn't based off movies, but it's more based off, like, true crime stuff that I watch, but our bedroom is very far away from the front door, and so, and we don't close the door to our bedroom, because it's just us here, and so I often worry, oh my God, if someone breaks into our apartment, we probably won't hear it, and they'll be able to just come in and kill us, and we'll be caught off guard, because we're, like, all The way over there, so that's more of like that's probably an ongoing fear that I have because I'm always ready for the killer, you know what I mean?
1: Well, we've talked about this about the bunk beds,
2: yes, yes, exactly. And yeah. I, I do have that fear, but when I was a kid, I remember watching Freddy, the movie Freddy, and like that came
1: <laughs> the out. movie Freddy is that what the name no, of the movie's called? What is it Freddy, called?
2: it's Friday the 13th, no, Nightmare on
1: Elm Street, Nightmare
2: on Elm Street, thank you. And I remember watching <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street and like not being able to sleep that night, I was very afraid
1: that's a very scary movie especially if you were watching it when
2: you were a kid it really isn't now if you watch it now you're like this is ridiculous but yes
1: Eh, it's still kind of scary um two movies that continued to scare me one i know i've talked about on this podcast before it was i saw the blair witch project in theaters i was a teenager my friend's mom had to take us to see it because we were too young to get into the theater by ourselves i think i was like 15 or 16 and this was, like, the first two weeks it came out when everybody still thought it was real before never, the stars of it started. I
2: told you that, right? We never, in St. Louis, everyone knew it was fake.
1: Well, we didn't. There were, like, two weeks that everybody thought it was have real. Have I
2: told you why? I think I have before. Was Maybe. it because
1: one of the kids in the movie was a local?
2: You No, know, the the woman in the movie starred Heather. in... Heather. Heather. She starred in um the local Steak and Shake commercials in St. Louis in the Midwest. So, like, everyone basically in the Midwest knew... Oh, this is fake because she does oh, the that's steak that's and shake. So wild. Yeah.
1: Well, those did not air in my tiny Massachusetts town. But one of the final shots of the movie where the dude was standing in the corner. Uh oh, I still get goosebumps thinking about it. I couldn't get the image of that out of my head. Really? So that frightened me. And then when I was a little bit older, still a teenager, I think or maybe i was like home from new york or home from college or something but my friend michelle and i went and saw signs oh. and as we were driving home it was really dark really dark and we're driving through these like wooded areas and i just kept imagining that i would see like in like an extraterrestrial kind of like <sighs> in that one scene where they're watching the news footage and the extraterrestrial crosses Oh, across no. the screen that scared the crap out of me so those yeah. are the two movies that like it scared me beyond the movie
2: yeah aliens don't scare me i'm not scared of aliens
1: well it was the way that they were presented in this one particular motion picture
2: doesn't bother me if i encounter an alien it's like encountering animal you're just stuck it's gonna happen
1: okay well yeah. that's that's <laughs> that is one way yeah. so The whole family, they all watch these movie, this movie, everybody's kind of freaking out. Mona decides to sleep over. It's like maybe because she's scared or maybe because she just wants to like be there when the cameras are there in the morning.
2: That's what I was thinking. That's when they set up that joke. I literally thought it was because she wanted to be there to be on camera in the morning.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Um so then again this whole next sequence was it was treated it was like so slow and again I was here for it. They really let these moments breathe. Yeah. Um so then it's the middle of the night. Samantha wakes up from a nightmare. She goes to sleep in her dad's room, but Jonathan's in there. So then she goes to Angela's room and she sleeps in bed with her. And then a little while later Samantha's hogging all the covers, so Angela goes to sleep in her room. Yeah. In Samantha's room. And then Tony is snoring and keeping Jonathan up, which, by the way, I can totally relate to because Stan snores oh, so wow. much. See,
2: but you know what? This is here's the thing: Stan, just like Tony, is very attractive. So when someone that attractive snores, you just put up with it because they're is so it like
1: attractive. an Italian East Coast dude thing? No, every, whatever it is, snore.
2: whatever it is, let them do it because they're attractive.
1: Sure, I will pass it along to Stan. I'm sure he'll really appreciate it. <laughs> So Jonathan wakes Tony up and because Jonathan's like, I cannot sleep with this guy. He's yeah. snoring. Jonathan wakes Tony up and he's like, Hey, Samantha had a nightmare. I think she wants you to sleep with her in her room. And as soon as he said that the audience goes, Oh, oh. Now, like they know what that means because that's you, where Angela is.
2: Can I tell you what I did in this moment though? So what? I, I was watching this, right. I, and I watched these right before we record and I was watching it on my computer because I I can't watch it on my TV. And I, I, I I remember I was petting Frazier and I was on the couch and I was just watching from a distance. And then I saw Tony get out of bed and he pulled up his, his sweatpants and I came to the computer and I rewound that 10 seconds (laughs) just to watch him do that again. And then, you know what I did? I did it again.
1: Did you go like frame by frame?
2: Oh no, I didn't do frame by frame. I'm not that much of a freak. But I didn't
1: remember him pulling up his. pants. So did he have
2: boxers on? No, he didn't. He had he had his uh, sweatpants on. They were like brown. I think they were brown, like sweatpants.
1: Oh, I thought that I thought it was like flannel pants, no, but I could be wrong. Been, I was also been, watching it on my computer. They might have
2: been flannel. I mean, I didn't see like anything like Roland's Roland from that one episode. Of I Roland guess Allen. we see
1: what we want to see when it comes to the PJs. Yes, we we're do. <laughs> fanning yourself <laughs> yes, wildly <laughs> right now. <we> do <laughs> so. Tony goes into Samantha's room and gets into the bed with Angela. Yeah. Um. Have you ever platonically slept in a bed with like a friend oh, like that?
2: So many times. You have no idea. Like, I have friends that. I mean, it depends on the friend. You know. I, I. I have to say, I. I would never sleep in the same. I mean, I probably would, but I haven't with like Elliot and Brent. You know, from the other podcast I do, or. But I mean, but I have other friends that I very much have and would sleep in the same bed. So like, it just—I think it just depends on the friendship. Yeah. Yeah. Like if we yeah. were like, like hunkered down somewhere, I would fully sleep in the same bed with you.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but there's yeah. also like,
2: but, but but I guess would I sleep in the same bed with someone you're I, attracted who to? Who I could be attracted to? Yes. Now that's I guess a different thing. Um, I, I have done it. And it, when I was a child, you know, and I was desperate for love and affection, and um, it is torturous because I am just laying there thinking, like, will they move over? Will they touch me? Will they touch me? You know, like it's it's one of those things. So I wouldn't, I don't know, I could, I don't think I could do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I don't have to now. I sleep every night, and every night I sleep with the person I'm attracted to. But yes, you know Aww. what I mean. Like it's, yes, yeah. I do. When I was a kid, it was torturous, torturous. Yeah. <laughs> Are you moved by that? I feel so
1: bad. Why? Just feeling bad.
2: Why? I don't know.
1: Because you're saying it was like torturous. Well, it and... was
2: because it was. I mean, it's a part of, I think, a queer experience. When, yeah, I guess it is a uniquely queer experience because when you're, I guess, you know, a young cis straight woman, you probably didn't have many opportunities to platonically sleep in the same bed with someone you're attracted to, a male, a straight male. You know,
1: N- not as a child. No. Yeah. Not like I... as like. Or not even, as, not even in, like, high school or whatever. like. And
2: I definitely did because, of course, you know, so many things are gendered and right. so many friendships are gendered. And so a lot of times I was friends with the people I was attracted to, but, of course, they were straight or they couldn't be attracted to me or it just couldn't – like, that could not happen or I could not yeah. communicate the things that I probably – other people probably could communicate mm-hmm. because of the time and situations and circumstances. So I remember there was one person – when I was really young who we were like best friends and our families were like friends and like we would hang out and he would sometimes spend the night and we would sleep in the same bed and it was just horrible because all I, want I mean, in retrospect, I wasn't necessarily that attracted to him. Didn't want to date him or anything. It was more just yeah. like, I just, I was a young horny kid who needed something. Yeah. Um. But yeah, but it was torturous. It was, yeah. I, I, I distinctly remember those moments.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry that that was torturous. For I you. mean,
2: made me who i am look i have have tony danza now
1: yes to get out the fan i think the only time that i can think of that i slept in the same bed with like a male friend platonically Mm. and it was funny too because this is when i was living in brooklyn this is when i used to fall asleep to my golden girls dvds every night wow and i had a boyfriend at the time and he was actually staying over And my friend Joe, who actually designed our Out on the Lanai logo, um, Joe lived in the neighborhood and we were talking, I think we were texting or something. And it was like 100 degrees and humid in New York and his AC broke and his apartment was a million degrees. And I lived in a studio that had a loft. But in the summertime, I couldn't sleep in the loft because heat rises and the AC, I had a little AC unit in the window mm-hmm. and a fan and it just, it would get hot up there. So yeah. I would sleep. I had a pullout couch and I would sleep on that every night. And my boyfriend would stay over and we, that's what we would sleep on. And Joe texted me. He's like, it's a million degrees in my apartment. My boyfriend at the time goes, oh, just have him come sleep here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but no, he can't sleep up in the loft. It's like a hundred degrees. And he gets up and he starts like getting dressed. He's like, no, I'll just go home. Just have him sleep in the pullout with no. you. And I was like, huh?
2: How long did that relationship like, last? Yeah.
1: Oh, well, we were together. He was great. We were together for like three years. Oh, uh, he okay. was wonderful. Yeah. But he was, it, I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, just have him come. Like, he's like, I'll just go back to my place. I have AC and wow. just have him sleep here. And I was like, Okay. And then I texted Joe and I said, you can just come over. You can st-. And he goes, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I know. That is an interesting.
2: But, yeah, that's interesting.
1: But but it was, again, I had. he was a very wonderful person. Yes. And But I mean, Joe was like objectively handsome. And I was yeah. like, okay. And, you know, obviously it was a very platonic thing. And, yeah. you know, but I was like, huh, okay. Did you watch the Golden um, Girls? I don't know. Maybe. We may have stayed up and watched something. But luckily the pullout couch was like pretty wide. So mm. we were able to like. You know, it wasn't a situation where you're forced to like, you know, touch butts or anything. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. it wasn't. But like, that's the it that's wasn't the Jean, kind of
2: it wasn't Jean and Rose sleeping together. No,
1: it was not. It yeah. was not. It was it was not. Jean, although Jean and Rose never did sleep together. No, I remember, right. Jean right. went over to like the love seat, but yeah. it wasn't like when the four women were in the bed. Like, thanks yeah. for the lovely prayer. It wasn't like that. <laughs> um. So
2: they wake up in the morning, and it is yes. The, the audience goes crazy.
1: So, and I also love how they 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 played this moment so slow. They could have played it where just all of a sudden, Tony and Angela wake up in bed and the camera crew is there and no. Yeah. E- the next morning, everyone's sleeping. It's very quiet. We hit, The alarm goes off. A hand hits the button. It's Jonathan hitting the alarm in his room or Tony's room or whatever. He pads, the doorbell rings, he pads down the stairs, like Home Alone, Kevin McAllister coming down in the morning, being all by himself, and he opens the door, and it's Betty, yeah. and he's like, so they're like, hi, is your mom here? And the audience is like, oh, <laughs> and he's like, sure, they're upstairs, head on up, and the audience goes, oh, and then Tony, then we cut to inside the the Samantha's room, and Tony and Angela wake up and like Tony's like rubbing her arm yeah. and then he looks over and he goes like morning Angela and she's like mm, morning Tony and then they like both open their eyes and at the same time they very slowly sit up yeah. and the audience is like what and so then there's an good. act break
2: so good Ugh.
1: speaking of act break should
2: we take a break?
1: we should oh,
2: I'm gonna be fanning myself this whole freaking episode <laughs>
1: Okay, when they get out of bed, now this is what we were talking about earlier. Angela is wearing this I, like teal silk nightgown; so it's good. hugging everything. Everything. Tony's wearing, I think, flannel pants. You say sweatpants? Who knows?
2: But they're both. It's one or the other. They're wonderful.
1: They're hugging. Yes. They're both incredibly hot. Oh my! And God. that's all I could focus on in this scene. I didn't. There wasn't a, I had to pause when I wanted to type something. Cause I was like, I'm not going to take my eyes off of this for a nanosecond.
2: Can't miss, it. Can't miss it.
1: So Tony and Angela are like, okay, holy shit. This is weird. Okay. But you know, she's like, why are you here? And he's like, well, Jonathan said that Samantha had a nightmare. Why are you here? And she was like, Samantha was hogging the covers, whatever. And they're yeah. like, okay, okay. This isn't a big deal. It'll be our little secret. Yeah. And Tony's like, how about I make some waffles? Yeah. And. Did you end up adding this to the clip or should I say the next line?
2: Uh, no, I didn't add it to the clip. Okay.
1: I didn't put it in the clip. No. So he's like, how about I make some waffles? As they're walking out of the bedroom and into the hallway, right into Betty and her camera crew, Angela says, I just love it when you put whipped cream on them. I,
2: I, I mean, it is just such a perfect, dirty little moment that is so perfect for a Betty White episode. It is so I... perfect.
1: Lost my mind. I, I love it. She walks out. I just love it when you put whipped cream on them. I mean, I
2: and what's so great about died. it is it's kind of like the whole Cheers element of of Ted Danson and Shelley Long because Shelley Long was so uptight and Angela is so uptight that the fact that she would be caught in a situation in her nightgown talking about whipped cream on them is really friggin' funny.
1: It was so funny. She walks right, and Betty's like, "Oh ho ho!" And then, uh, and then we sort of have their their exchange here. Yeah.
3: Good morning, Connecticut. Ah, <laughs> oh, here they are now. Well, good morning, Angela. You certainly look chipper. <laughs> Would you like to tell us how you start your day? Well, you're really going to laugh when you hear this. <laughs>
0: You'd better hope so, dear. <laughs>
1: But when Tony crawled into bed with me, he thought he was getting into bed with somebody else.
3: Oh, you did spend the night together. What a nice tattoo. Oh, thank you.
0: Uh, No, no, uh, in, in fact, we all watched a scary movie together last night, and then her mother stayed
3: over. Oh, you thought you were getting into bed with her mother. This may be too tacky even for me. Nah. Well, Goldilocks, who's been sleeping in your bed?
2: Huh. the way she just like he he hey, I caught you you know what I mean like the way she's just like loving every second it's just so fun to watch it's so
1: good and I love it she's like mm, is this a little tacky nah, nah. I like, let's do it
3: Nah,
1: I and I love it like you said Angela is so she is a little uptight and she's like she's really trying to defend the situation. And she's like, look, yes, we were, we were in the same room. You know, even the constitution has freedom to assembly. Like she's, she is just grasping at straw, just desperate for anybody to, to believe that the situation is not what it appears to be. Um, So then we, we go to later that day, Angela is pissed. You know, her lawyer is basically like, look, there's nothing you can do, you know, is what she says. And she's like, I'm going to be like laughed out of the entertainment or the advertising industry. Like my career is over. Mm -hmm. And so she like very angrily goes off to work. And in the meantime, while she's at work, Tony has called Betty over to try to talk to her. Mm -hmm. So let's play a little bit of that clip
0: about this morning you're
3: gonna try to get me not to air that tape tonight aren't you
0: well you know i was hoping that you would see it. Any... you're
3: thinking of coming on to me forget it it won't work
0: well i wasn't gonna do that
3: okay it, it might work
0: miss <laughs> <laughs> Bonds, you can't air that tape
3: Tony, I am a journalist. People want to know the truth. Yeah, well, that's just it. The truth is nothing happened. They don't want to know
2: that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just so good because you know that Betty White has the hots for Tony Danza. You know she, I mean, even, even in the last scene when they were all in the hallway together and Tony Danza was shirtless, she's talking about his tattoo and she's like rubbing his arm. And it is just like Betty White is using this opportunity to have a moment with Tony.
1: He really was yeah um i also think too when you know he's like it's like no you know uh he's like that nothing happened and she's like they don't want to know that i feel like that just perfectly describes like the sort of sensationalism of what news has become and like reality shows yeah. which is like hey if the truth is boring nobody wants to watch it like but for me i'm like give me a reality show that's 24 seven of just cameras on a boring couple with a boring kid. And they just make dinner and do homework and build puzzles. Like give me the Sims. Yeah, I'd be so happy to watch that and just be like waiting for something sensational to happen, knowing it's not going to, and I'd be okay (laughs) with that. But she's like, nobody cares. Everybody wants that. That's why she wanted everyone to spice it up. Yeah. So Tony, in this scene, he's really trying to do the right thing. He's trying to reason with Betty, which, of course, doesn't work. Nope, can't work. And it's only when Mona comes home that they're really able to to make any progress with Betty. Oh, my God, Mona. So, Mona, she tells Tony... She's like tries to get Tony out of there. She's like, "Hey Tony, could you go fix a window at my uh, apartment across the street or whatever?" And he's like, "It's winter." She's like, "Yeah, go fix it." <laughs> so Mona
2: Mona has the tea. Mona has, Mona the, dirt. has the
1: tea. She's ba- she basically goes like, "Um, hey, yeah, Suan Thorndike. Um, I was just down at the station talking to your general manager, nice guy. I realized I've seen him somewhere before.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, and then let's play this is fully, the rest of that moment. This is fully
2: Blanche out. finding out she's a Yankee. It is the moment of like, I got you. You know what I mean? It is Yes. so good.
0: You see, I just remembered where I had seen him. Stowe, Vermont. Have you ever been there? Get to the point, Mona. I think I'm there, Bobby. And so were you. Isn't that a coincidence? When was that? Let me see. Oh, yes, that was way, way back when you
3: were a weather bunny. (laughs) I was a meteorologist bunny.
0: (laughs) Whatever. And also, that was just about a month before you got your own show. Another coincidence. But, of course, the general manager, your boss, was probably there with his lovely wife and two adorable children. I wonder if I should go back and ask him. What do you think? Uh, uh, You want to get back to me on that one? (laughs)
2: That's what we call a callback. Oh, so good. I mean, the fact that Mona was just like, I got you, girl. I got you. I know you. I mean, it is just, Mm -hmm. it's so Betty Davis. It's so salty. It's so, like, the moment. It's just good.
1: It was just such a good payoff because, like, I feel like, you know, when they meet her at the beginning, Angela's just dying to impress her. You know, Tony's a big fan. And then you have Mona, who's like, I see right through you. And so for her to be the one to fix this by going toe-to-toe with her. Mm -hmm. Also, just like the whole, like, mama bear doing it for the baby cubs kind of thing. I'm like, I would do anything for my child. Yeah. And the fact that she was like, I'm going to go down to that station. I'm going to get some dirt on this bitch. Uh And she did. Like, it was amazing.
2: Mic drop. Full mic drop.
1: So... That night, um, Tony, Angela, and Mona are sitting around the TV. They're about to watch the show. Angela is like stressed. Yeah. So stressed out. And I would be too. I mean,
2: when you I know. when you do something like that. I mean, I've even been in situations where like I've said something, I'm like, Oh, why did I say that? And then it's on record like all those like it's just it's just, you know, it's stressful. And and on this level, it's I mean, you know, it's millions of people watching.
1: Oof. yeah and and especially knowing like you know she's going like hey like my, my career could be over because of this which honestly shouldn't have been absolutely no, no, if that was the case no so the show airs and like you said we see what's on the tv screen we see betty like in the in studio kind of like, doing it like a mary yeah, tyler in moore the moment yeah and she says um Tonight we'll be watching the bizarre sexual habits of a well-known Connecticut native, the praying mantis. Literally,
2: Ju- Judith Light's face was like, "Oh my god, no!" And then, "Oh, thank God." Like, but it was the
1: moment, like when Dorothy's like biting her fist when Angela is yeah. or not Angela when when Sophia's talking to Dr. Jonathan Newman and she's like, "Forgive me if this is rude," but and she's like, "Oh." But did you like- see?
2: I mean, because basically Mona kind of confesses that she sort of blackmailed you know, uh, Bobby and like all that is settled. But what I loved is the end of Bobby's segment. Like when the whole segment was done or whatever. And she, I forget what she says, but she's kind of flirting with Tony through the screen.
1: Yeah. She's like, it says something about like in the habits of some other creatures. You <sighs> know who I'm talking to
2: Yeah, Tony, Tony in sweatpants.
1: Yeah. She's totally talking about Tony. I love it. She's like still flirting with him. You like, know, she's like I, I know you're watching,
2: you know, she kept that footage. For her personal use.
1: I would have too. I would have too. Yeah. Not going to lie. Mona also had a great line that I liked where, like you said, like Angela's like, wait, what happened? And Mona's basically like, I took care of it. She goes, you think I'm going to let some stranger make your life miserable? That's my job. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's so good. But then there's a button on the episode where it's just Tony. Oh, my God. And they, I mean... There's a moment where Tony says you've never had any dreams or whatever. And then they sort of sit on the couch and you can tell they're both thinking about each other in the nude. Uh Uh-huh. And you see, I mean, Tony Danza's legs are spread and Judith Light is huddled in a corner looking like a beautiful, like, sort of just like, you know, maiden who's just waiting for Tony to come scoop her up. Oh, my God, I'm so hot
1: it was such a I was like damn I'm so glad that they did this tag
2: yeah
1: um yeah they were like hey so you know we didn't really talk about what happened last night and it's basically like you know she's like you know did you see anything and he's yeah. like no no you were all covered and she's like okay And she's like well I, I you know how do I know you didn't roll over he's like well how did you know I didn't roll over like yeah. that thing. are like hey, did you dream about anything like you said it's like and then there's that moment where they're both, like, not looking at each other. Oh, my God. But they're God. both so remembering good. dreams that they had yep. about the other one. And, yep. it, like, the camera, like, zooms into the
2: fireplace. Yeah. I mean, it is it's very anticlimactic, episode. but it is so good. It, it is... was
1: so, like, what a way for those writers and producers to, like, keep people hanging yep. on for the two of them. Um, Overall, great episode of television. Really
2: great. Smart. I mean... The writing would not work today on television, but it is such a smartly written show, I thought. They
1: didn't leave the house either. They didn't have a single swing set. Not once. No, the only guest star really was Betty, and then yeah. I think there was the cameraman had yeah. one line, yeah. um, and that was it. And it was so all good. very contained. It was a very small story. Um,
2: I loved it. You guys should really go watch. Go watch on Daily Motion or wherever I you can watch it. It's worth it.
1: Loved it.
2: Who is the boss? Tony Danza is the boss. Mm, should we take a break and come back with our golden takeaways? We
1: shall. Yay.
2: We are back with our golden takeaways, which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or the lives of our listeners. Carrie, what is your golden takeaway from this episode?
1: My golden takeaway is this. Do you remember on The Office Mm. when Steve Carell left and they sort of did this fun stunt casting thing where they were like, we're looking for a new boss. And you had all these fun bosses. Like Jim Carrey Carrey, rolled in. Ricky Gervais, all that stuff. When... Dorothy, the character of Dorothy was maybe going to leave the show and Debbie they brought Reynolds. in Debbie Reynolds yeah. to kind of like, you know, substitute and yeah. be like, oh, is Debbie Reynolds going to be the new roommate? I would have loved for them to have done, even if it was just in one episode or do the mm. Debbie one, do a couple more. I would love to have seen other amazing female actors like Mona. Brought in like Mona, yeah, Mona fitting in with the Golden Girls. Now, let me ask you. Yeah. Debbie Reynolds was obviously she was a Blanche. Yeah. If we were to bring Mona in to the fold, like how do you think she would sort of fit I in think she would be, with
2: the group? I think she would be an elegant version of Dorothy because that's kind of what she is yeah. on Who's the Boss. She mm-hmm. is a elegant, smartass who yeah. can... can Cut you down with one quick line, but also look fantastic doing it. And I think she's kind of in a way Dorothy's sister. Remember in the first season or second season? I forget what. When Dorothy's sister comes visit, I forget which sister it is. Gloria, Gloria yes. And she's yes. very rich. And she wants, yeah. And she wants to take Sophia back with her. I feel mm-hmm. like Mona would kind of fit into that role a little bit. I agree. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I agree. Oh, she would have been, I feel like watching her interact with Betty White just remind it gave me the vibes of watching the golden girls and maybe it's just because they're like kind of similar ages but i just their dynamics together and i think too just like katherine helmman being such a great actor and such a great comedic actor i was like i feel like i'm watching like a parallel universe golden girls dynamic right here
2: yeah yeah i agree it's so good my golden takeaway is a real stressful one because i have so many um that I I want to share with everybody really I've done this on a previous episode but I I and I I feel bad doing it because I don't want to like just completely subject him to being just a a piece of meat but my god google Tony Danza shirtless google Tony Danza in any way shape and form I'm not going to suggest you to google any particular google you can run your google the way you google but please enjoy take a moment today because today's stressful Take a moment today to Google Tony Danza and just look at the Google images and have a great time because it will be your therapy for today. I guarantee it. That was magical. Wasn't it? Wasn't it great? I mean, I thought of so many other things, like great things to say about the episode, but really all I want people to do is just to appreciate the Danza. You know. I
1: figured that was gonna be your golden takeaway. Yeah,
2: I thought I was trying to be more classy. I was trying to be more mature, you know. No, you be
1: you. I'm gonna be 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 authentic in these situations. Fan yourself. Everybody, that's been another episode of Out in the Lanai. Thank you all (laughs) so, so much for listening. And we will catch you back here next week. For more Golden Girls Greatness.
2: And be sure to email us or DM us or whatever and let us know ideas that you want for our live show because I am so excited for it. Let us know if you can come, if you're in the L.A. area, if you're going to watch the live stream. Like, let us know what you want to see on stage because we are ready to plan this show and do it. And more details about that will be coming soon. And, of course, you know we are part of Mom Network, which is lovely. So go support them and join Mom Plus because there's so many great things happening on Mom Plus. And you can follow us on social media at Golden Girls Pod, on Instagram at Adel and I Official, on Facebook at Golden Girls Pod, and I am Sadie Pines and H. Allen Scott on everything.
1: And I'm Squidzy on Instagram and Squid Eat Squid on Twitter. And if you have a moment, please rate and review us wherever you get this podcast because the more ratings we get, the more the show will get bumped up and the more people will discover it and join our lovely kick ass community of Golden Girls fans.
2: And as always,
1: remember stay, stay golden! golden!
2: And Google Tony Dancer shirtless. <laughs>